Welcome in Iowa Hawkeye fans to another episode of the Hawkeye Tailgate Report. I'm Luke Myers, Joey Myers and Austin Myers here as well. Uh, and we are a mere hours from taking on Iowa City for year number 25 for Kirk Ferentz. Fellas, how are we? Not going to lie, I am pretty horned up about this football season. Um, Saturday cannot get here fast enough. This work week is kind of a joke, but we're powering through. Very excited. I've really just been like wandering around the house looking for any excuse to not work the last two days or so. I've like to the, this afternoon. I went outside and just cut down a bush, just because <laughs> I like I can't focus. Um, yeah, I mean, I usually when July first comes around, that's kind of when I get the itch to. Uh, for football season. Uh, and yeah, it's, I've been I'm really fighting it here over the last several weeks. So, yeah. Um, I mean, especially from like mine and Joey's perspective, living in Iowa city and I, you know, I walk past Kinnick every day to go to work. It really hits you once, uh, that opponent flag starts flying. So we got, they got the Utah state flag mm-hmm. flying off the South end zone there. They recently changed over the posters hanging around all the corners of the stadium. Uh, those are the types of things that really just get the blood moving. They got the porta shitters aligned. Oh the, man! The, some of the like the vendor stands are coming in. Is it's, the big ass turkey we're, leg we're there? there. They, uh, they were setting up something in that lot the other day. They got the uh, the portable black and gold shop set up on the corner mm. of Melrose and Hawkins. It's just like it's fucking football, baby. Oh yeah, and you know on Friday night in the bars they're probably gonna have the bands roll in, and it's just gonna be an electric factory. But yeah, uh, so were you gonna say something? Yeah, it wasn't really re- relevant though, so you can carry on. <laughs> so this is our preseason football podcast. Uh, however, the last time we recorded, we made it seem like Noah Shannon was gonna be good to go for the season, and we made it. Uh, we were talking about Cade, and later that day after we were done recording, he ended up leaving the the kids practice in Kinnick stadium. Uh, so now Noah Shannon is suspended for the season and Cade hadn't played really until just the other day since that kid's day. So, I mean, do we want, like, do you guys think Cade should play? Yes. Even like, yes, I think it's, super necessary because he needs to be getting these game reps with the first team, you know, like he's got all of the accolades coming in or, you know, maybe not he's hyped up, you know, coming in. But at the end of the day, when we start getting into the meat of the schedule, him getting actual game reps with this first team offense is going to be important. So even if it's a case where, you know, he only plays in the first half or something, but I think it's important that he actually does start this game. Uh, he So he is medically cleared. Uh, I don't know. I, I want him to play. However, there is part of me. It's like it is just Utah State. We should be able to take care of business against Utah State, regardless of. Also, if he doesn't play it, um, it decreases our chance of getting the 25-point threshold, at least this game. So That's true. Yeah, I saw... I think it was Chad Leistikow tweeted before that the line is down to 23 and a half now. Didn't Space Cowboy send that to us? I don't know. It was 25 and a half yesterday when I was looking. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to fact check, Joey? 
Oh, sure. I'll go on FanDuel, my preferred book. Not sponsored, though. Yeah, I was going to say no free ads. <laughs> they locked me out of my account several times, suspended it. I got oh, it back, Oh, college though. football. All customers get a no-sweat bet. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, we're that. nuking that one. But, yeah, FanDuel, like, the interface is just superior they to also, all the others. They just give you a lot of free bets. Uh, see, well, I like, like DK no since bets. I've switched to it. DraftKings is probably my second favorite one. Um, what am I looking for? Iowa spread. Mm. You know that you can't bet their win total? Or at least I couldn't find it on FanDuel, like in Iowa. I don't know if it's you... like a state thing or what. Because you can bet on their games normally, but I, the other day I tried to go on there and bet their over total for the season for wins, and <clears throat> it wouldn't let me. 23 and a half. Yeah. And the over, over under went to 42 and a half. Yesterday it was 45 and a half. What'd you say it was at? Yesterday it was 45 and a half. It's 42 and a half today. Okay, so this was actually a question one of the guys sent to us. Do the, Jeez, we're jumping do, right into those. Do the an, guy being uh, well, it's only one question. It says, do the over-unders on the overs. So, like, how many times is the over going to hit this year? We'll just do that question now. Uh, I mean, I think that really depends on what the offense looks like in the first game here because right now it's just a anybody's guess as to what you know the offense is going to do i would say that it can't get worse than last year but we said that the year before last year or you know we said that for last year based on the year before and we did manage to get worse and there is still one spot more that we could fall in total offense so i'm not going to entirely discount that it could get worse but like the lines that books are going to be putting out here for these first couple weeks is just a total guess because they have you know no idea what Iowa's offense is going to look like with Cade um just from an Iowa football perspective though I'd still say that your safer bet is to take the unders throughout the course of the season I am going to say I'm going to play it safe and say about half of the overs are going to hit give or take five percent so what do you say you said the 42 and a half and uh 33 or uh, 23 and a half, right? So what's Correct. that? Mean? That's implying like Iowa scores in the mid-30s, right? I would assume that like they're maybe giving Utah State seven points. Yeah, like, yeah. Based on, uh, oh, I, there was, I'll have to look up the stat for sure because I don't want to butcher it, but uh, Iowa's defense in home openers over the course of the past five seasons is average is giving up like a very small number of points. Uh, I read it in a Leistikow article today and I, I'll pull up the number or the article and get the actual number because it, it's like very impressive. Um, while still, while Stin's doing that, um, there have been three pretty recent notable Utah state grads or people that went to Utah state to play professional sports. Two of them were in the NFL. Do you have any clue who they were, Luke? Do you know who they are? I'm looking at well, them right now. I literally just Googled it. No, so. I mean, do you know who they are? Like, Oh, yes. I know I know who they are. I know the people, yep. Offense? One is a quarterback. He recently, recently retired, I believe. Ooh, yes. that, that kind of hurts. Was he good? He had his moments. I would say he was above average when when Houston. How, on a scale uh, of one to Joe Flacco. I, I 
I would say that average is probably the best way to describe his NFL career. I, I would say he that had, he, he had outlier years where he was better than average. I think he was most oftenly referred to as being a game manager. Ooh. Uh, I I know it's not right. Just uh, just because the school colors, I'm thinking Colin Kaepernick. But I know that's not right. Uh, he played for the same one of the yeah. same teams as Colin Kaepernick. And it was a quarterback, you said? Around the same time as Colin Kaepernick. Played as played for the Niners? Yes. And you knew who he was. He started for them. He was he was like did I think Kaepernick took over for him, right? Yeah. Luke, you definitely know who this is. Alex player. Smith? Yeah. Yes. He went to Utah, not Utah State. I typed in famous Utah State alum and it came up with Alex Smith. I, no, no, because he. Okay, uh, let's look into this a little bit closer here. I'm pretty pretty sure he was there. Utah. With, yeah. Oh, okay. What kind of <laughs> fucking source is this? I don't know. He's the first name that came up from. All right. Well, here's another one then. <laughs> okay. Nope. Also no, Utah. Also Utah. <laughs> Who was it? This website is trash. Eric Weddle. Fuck you, Google. <laughs> Uh, okay, um, I did find that uh, that stat. So, um, over the past five Week One home openers, so that's discounting the 2020 season because that first game was on the road at Purdue for the COVID season. But over the last five Week One home openers, the Iowa defense has allowed 33 total points for an average of 6.6 per game. That's pretty good. Yeah. I fucking knew this was too good to be true. So I typed in famous Utah State alumni. I got Alex Smith, Eric Weddle, and Andrew Bogut, and I was just floored that those three all went to Utah State. <laughs> None of them did. Yeah, not at <laughs> all. Uh, all right. So as we said, this is our preseason big or, uh, Iowa football podcast, so we'll cover the <clears throat> biggest threats in the West uh, which player position are you most worried about? What is the offensive ceiling? Our annual bold statements, over-unders, what's a successful season, and then a final record prediction, and we'll draft songs that get you pumped up. So, jump on. Um, yeah. Before we move on, let's get something right. Let's get something correct about Utah State. What do? What is their mascot? BYU Cougars, Utah Utes, Utah State. Is it an animal? I don't, I don't think so. No. I'm going to say no. Sphinx. I don't. No. No. Do you, tell okay. us when you're done guessing. Is that, was that, no, not along those lines? No, no. I, I literally don't know what this is. Well, oh. It, it shares a mascot with another college. You'll never get it. It's no. an Aggie. Oh. Um, to, to bring back a former segment we used to do, Urban Dictionary, since nobody, we've never done Aggie before, I don't think. So <laughs> uh, for Aggie on Urban Dictionary, we got just douche, period. In context, damn it, an Aggie just walked in. That's why all the women are leaving. And then below that, we also have another definition um, Aggie, a girl that likes to receive on the pool table. 
and then used in a sentence. Oh, well, Joey just went away from the page. That's okay. It doesn't really matter that much. Mad, annoying, and rude. Another word for annoying. When a bitch is aggravating. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, we should bring that one back. Badass chick. Mm. Term for a fat Scottish person. No, that's Agus. Oh. Eggy well, <laughs> with Agus. no yes. All right. Okay, I feel like this has run its course. <laughs> <laughs> we need to bring that segment back, though. Our weekly check Yeah, well, it's hard because all the Big Ten teams are redone. Yeah. Yeah, or you could just pick a team every week and just do it. <clears throat> but, Possibly. All right, so jumping right into it. Who is your guys' biggest threats in the West this year? Because I'm pretty sure right now, it's a, it, again, it's a two-horse race, it appears, for most people. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like anybody that answers with something besides Wisconsin is either, you know, a diehard like Minnesota or like Purdue fan or somebody that's just not very educated. Or a Nebraska on, fan. Oh, that too. Just like not very educated on Big Ten football. Um I think it'll be interesting to see how Wisconsin transitions from, you know, what they were, which is kind of a power-running football team, to now trying to be an air-raid offense under Luke Fickle. I feel like that type of transition is really difficult to make in one offseason, so I don't know if they'll have the type of personnel that they really need in order to kind of establish that. But at the same time, we kind of know, I don't know, Wisconsin is... They're never bad, and Luke Fickle is a good coach, so I don't expect them to be a bad team. Minnesota under P.J. Fleck, like, always underperforms. Purdue's got a new head coach. Nebraska's got a new head coach. I think people are probably going to sleep on Illinois, but that's going to be one of those situations as to, was last year a flash in the pan, or is Brett Bielema actually building something that's sustainable in Champaign? And Northwestern is just going to be a humongous dumpster fire this season. So I think that the only logical answer is Wisconsin. Yeah, I wrote Wisconsin and Illinois. Wisconsin mainly, I don't know. They still have Braylon Allen, too, which he's one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. And I don't really buy the fickle hype yet. I mean, it's his first year at a new program. And he's kind of completely changing the identity of Wisconsin. So I can't imagine that would be too fluid of a process. Illinois, Brett Bielema is a good coach wherever he's gone. And their defense. Uh, he was pretty terrible at Arkansas. Yeah, but like you're playing in the SEC West. That's not exactly an easy division to play in. Uh, no. And I just don't think that Illinois' defense will be as good this year as they were last year. And I think, that, I mean, kind of the same story with Iowa. That's what kept them afloat. Um, so, I mean, they could definitely, you know, show us this year that last year wasn't a fluke. But I'm going to need to see more consistent success out of Illinois before I start to view them as being like a legitimate Big Ten. Well, not this is the last year of the Big Ten West, so that's not really fair. But I'm going to need to see it for a couple more seasons before I take them as like a continuous threat in the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we've gotten them twice over the last three seasons, and 
it it not it do, it doesn't feel like they've broken down, but they've certainly hit a few road bumps, which isn't really accustomed to Wisconsin as a program. So yeah, those would be the only two. I guess like you can, Nebraska is definitely not like you can. Uh, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard Matt Rule say like the way he's processed every new place he's been at. It's like the first year is establishing the culture and whatnot, moreover winning. And then the second year is kind of where they try to start showing that edge a little more. I mean, Minnesota, whatever. They'll disappoint. They always disappoint. So I'm pretty sure the year they even went like 10 and two, wasn't it like, was that Northwestern that represented in the Big Ten title game that year? There's been some pretty, like, I mean, I don't know. You can't. There's only so many teams to choose from. But, yeah, over, like, the last five years, we've had fucking Purdue and Northwestern represent the Big Ten West in the Big Ten championship game, which is a pretty sad look for the other teams in that division. <laughs> yeah. I mean, didn't Northwestern represent twice, I'm pretty sure? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, they did twice. No, they did like twice in like a four-year span or something like that. That's embarrassing. That's yeah, just... Yeah, well... I have a... They're probably never going to make it back to that level again. I would imagine not. If relegation will probably be a thing before they're back, so... <laughs> How about you, um, Joey? Are you, are you asking me about other teams? Yeah. No comment? Talk to me about week four. I'll have an opinion on him then. Okay. All right. It's a really convenient way of saying I have no idea. Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> one, uh, one thing I did want to mention is, are you wearing a Miguel Sano New Britain Rockcats jersey? I sure am. That's awesome. It was your shirt, so. Yeah. <sighs> it's a good uh, shirt. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, we got which player slash position are you most worried about? We'll let Joey lead this one off here too. Um, uh, offensive line. That guy just taking a whole position group. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Player position. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's not bad. We got, a, we got, a, we got precious cargo back there in the pocket. We got to protect. We can't have him being fucking banged up. That's fair. That's fair. And I mean. I would say George Barnett's job is just as much on the line as Brian Ferentz because he's been here uh, for, what, three years? And it, the line has not gotten any better. If you have read any of the Kirk Ferentz quotes from this past offseason about George Barnett, he is not even remotely on the hot seat. Kirk, like, tr- trusts in him 1 million percent. I think that one is much more of a fan-driven narrative, um, but based on... W- like what he said, Kirk does not view George's job as being in jeopardy based on this year's performance. I don't know. I, like I said, the fan narrative is entirely different, but it from like things that Kirk has said, he's basically more pinned it on like injuries and inexperience along the line than the coaching behind it. That's how he views it. And if you, I mean, coming from a coach who's like came from being an offensive line guy, like that's kind of what he as a head coach is most known for. I think he knows what he's looking for in terms of offensive line coaching. So like I said, 
fans, and rightfully so, I mean, if any type of group is underperforming in the way that the offensive line has in the past couple of years, they start to ask questions about why aren't we making higher level changes. But my feel for it is that within the coaching staff, that's not a discussion. Yeah, I, I would concur. You're probably right. But God, that offensive line was as much of the problem last year as anything was. So I mean, I mean, there was a lot of problems last year, but a lot of breath has been wasted on that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Stin? Um, I mean, I feel like the most obvious answer is quarterback, not necessarily because like I'm concerned about Cade, uh, because I think his level of play will speak for itself. The question is, what happens if he goes down? Because I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an Iowa fan that isn't saying that the hopes and dreams of this season kind of rest on his shoulders. So, And it sounds like the coaching staff likes is it Deacon Hill as the backup. They're pretty high on him. Kirk the other day said that he was just like the biggest quarterback he'd ever seen. So I think that they like what they have in the backup, but I think it's pretty tough to say that Cade isn't the most important factor for this team's success for this season. Yeah, I had I had both offensive line and QB. Uh, like I said, the offensive line was, I mean, we had no run game last year, really. I mean, we scored seven passing touchdowns because every time Peaches would drop back, he'd get hit right away. Granted, Peters, we know, not everybody's cup of tea. Certainly wasn't a great quarterback. But, yeah, offensive line, QB. We have seen Joey Labas play, Joe Labas play. Uh, yeah, not very, not great, not great. Although he, yeah, did, um, he, he did win a bowl game where the defense scored two offensive touchdowns, right? Hey, or two touchdowns. We got right? one. Yeah. The so, offense scored one, so... I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think another uh, kind of sneaky area for concern would be uh, at our special teams kicking positions, both, you know, kicker and punter. Not that I believe wholeheartedly in both of them. Obviously, you know, we have the best punter in the nation, Tory Taylor, and Drew Stevens is going to be an, or is very good. But Andrew, or is it Andrew or Bloom? I'm not Aaron, sure if Andrew Aaron. is his first name. Aaron. That's what it was. Aaron Bloom. Being, you know, suspended for life is what it probably seems like uh, as part of that gambling investigation leaves us kind of shorthanded at a position where it felt like it was a strength for us because he was the number one backup for both the place kicking and punting uh, roles. We did bring in some late transfers to try and kind of fill that gap. But if either one of those two players goes down, all of a sudden, you know, special teams, which is I was, you know, where we get probably the biggest edge over any other team in the Big Ten, it you know it goes from a position of strength to a question mark really fast. So I think that's something to be mindful of as well. And you know, kicker injuries are pretty rare, but you know, if something were to happen, things get a little bit dicey. Does Stevens do kickoff too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, our yeah our. Sp- Kickers are as good as any unit in the country. So that's a good call. But like what what do you think the ceiling is for our offense this year? 
I I would be shocked if we could average more than like thirty points a game. Well, I'd you, say like I'd you, say that that is the ceiling right there. Thirty points a game. So you do see that happening. You right? asked what the ceiling. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Like you could see that happening. At, at like peak performance, yes. Because even like. If this offense just clicks and, you know, it, it's totally transformed from what it was the last couple of years, Iowa is still not a team by design that's going to go out there and be running up, you know, 45, 50 points a game. Their whole offensive philosophy is ball controlled, you know, don't turn it over, run the ball. So even, you know, in a best case scenario, if I was doing all of those things that they want to, it still takes time. You know, we're not a huge explosion type of play scoring offense. So just the way that their entire offensive philosophy is built, I would say 30 points a game would be kind of like the best case scenario. So um, I'm, you might have seen it last week on Twitter. Tom Fernelli said Iowa was going to score 31 points a game. I'm telling you right now, if Iowa scores 31 points a game, we're going to win the Big Ten West with ease. We're going to lap everybody. Yeah, no argument for me on that one. However, uh, I'm saying like 28 points is probably the ceiling. I can't imagine that drastic of a jump. That would be like a getting to 30 points would be a 13-point jump in one season. And I know like... My bottom line is we have to get 21 points a game on offense with what we have. I mean, we have an a, we have an actual quarterback. Caleb Johnson appeared to be really great last year, even though we didn't have a good offensive line. Uh, we have two tight ends that can make All-American teams. Brown from Ohio State, great wide receiver. Uh, there's just so many weapons for us to not succeed in some way on offense. Yeah, I agree. We have like four actual scholarship receivers listed on the two deeps at the receiver position instead of walk-ons. So they, in theory, have the pieces to be, you know, at worst an average offense, at best, you know, slightly better. Um, But it's one of those things where after the last two years, they have to to show us before I'm actually going to believe in it. I want to because the last two years have sucked, but, <laughs> you know, it's I need to see it yeah. to be fully buy-in. Yeah, that was without mentioning, like, Seth Anderson or our backup running backs are LaShawn Williams and uh, Jaquiz Patterson. Terrific name. Is it? I don't think that that's what his first I'm, name is. It's... Oh, I think it's like who's Jasmine, Jaquez? not Jaquez. Who wasn't there a a Falcons running back? Jaquez Rogers. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think I combined some names there, but yeah. Yeah. He played for Oregon, I believe. No, I don't know. I think he did. Yeah. He always oh, played for already. Utah. <laughs> <laughs> you get a BYU guy this time. Uh what are you expecting from the offense this year, Joey? Oregon State. Uh, oh, so Fuck. close. Oh, it's like the same situation we had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are the odds? That's actually kind of crazy. Fuck. Um, what's your ceiling for the offense, Joey? 
Ask me after week four. Oh, my God. You guys know I don't know shit about fucking the football team. <laughs> so you can still have an opinion yeah. outside – Believe Wait me. for a quarter of the season and then ask me. There's so <laughs> many. There's so many Iowa fans that don't know anything. Like they, yeah, they just, especially on social media. You know who I'm talking about. Not everybody wants to spend their ninety percent of free time reading about the Iowa offense in the off season. No, you know, yeah, that, I, that's I'm fine. For them. But they still generate opinions out of thin air. Kind of Fine. I don't think McNamara is going to be as good as everybody thinks. I, this is going to kind of ruin. This is going to kind of ruin my bold take. But the fucking guy was was even starting at Michigan. Yes, he took them to a Big Ten championship game where they beat Iowa forty-two to three. And then the was playoff. he last year? He got hurt in week three and missed the rest of the season. Wasn't starting at Michigan. Yeah, there because was because he was injured. <laughs> there was a QB what? competition there. Yeah, was he going to start this year if he had stayed? I don't know. No, it was not. I mean, probably but, not, just because JJ McCarthy took them to. I think the everybody just needs to pump. I think everybody needs to pump the brakes on this guy. I think we were sitting here having a conversation two years ago. Luke thought Petrus was going to win the fucking Heisman. I never that said that. I've never said that. You were pretty fucking high on him. I said Nate Stanley and, was going to win the Heisman. You David, but... you and David both thought he was like. The next God. Um, I actually went back and looked at our bold takes or our bold statements from two years ago with Sean and David, and Sean said Spencer Petrus would be a fan favorite by the end of the year. So we weren't the missed, only ones. Missed on that one. And wait, didn't you say something nice about him last year too? Last year. Yeah. Because he was down. I was thinking, you know. Didn't you say he was going to get drafted? <laughs> that's, that, that was, that's what everybody thought last off. That was, can't get much worse. That, right? was, that was a regression to the mean pick right there. You said <laughs> he was going to get drafted, didn't you? Just didn't work out. <laughs> just, uh, okay. So actually, next up, we got our bold statements. Well, it seems I already went, so. So yours is just McNamara is not as good? McNamara is going to not be much of an improvement. You want to go or you want me to go? Not going to be much of an improvement. Okay, it's... yeah, I wasn't paying attention for that part. You can only do so much in this offense. It's not It's not going to be all his fault. In this not offense... Not an improvement is in a, a fucking scorching hot take. Now, what, not much of an improvement gets us to what, like 18 points a game? Like, hey... Is that really that bad of an outcome? Yes. yes that's fired. terrible. That's, that's a terrible outcome. That, t- that takes us from like 129 national offense to like 117. Yeah. Not that is good. Hey, I mean, we're all about hot takes here, but that one is blazingly hot. Um. Okay. We'll do Space Cowboy sent us three, four hot takes as well. Uh, actually, three. We're not going to read the fourth. Space Cowboy has been a bit of a downer lately, hasn't he? Yes, big time. <laughs> yeah, I think age does that to most fans. I think he's just kind of a natural pessimist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm strictly talking about Iowa football-related Space Cowboy. We're, yeah, so we're not going to read his fourth one, but his other Why? three we'll read. Do not read it? No. <laughs> not really podcast um, appropriate. Yeah. Uh, the first one, offense, if Cade stays healthy, will be better overall than defense. That certainly files as bold. Uh, his second one, the DB struggle compared to normal. 
And then the third one, Vines leads all wide receivers in yards. I could see that one. Ha- I mean, I could see it happening. I think the most likely is the fourth one. <laughs> no. I, I, I'd bet everything in my account that is not likely to happen. Um, Stin, what do you got? Um, I'll go with, uh, Iowa. I think this is kind of similar to what I said last year as well, but fuck it. Uh, Iowa will have three first team all Americans. That is very similar to what you said last yeah. year. <laughs> you it love is. that one. Uh, hey, Except, I, la- I mean, yeah, last year years it, was you had there was th- two two or three players win their national awards for a spot, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if Iowa lands three first team All Americans, three out of twenty two is would be pretty impressive. Do you want to call your shot? Uh, I mean, I could, we can say the two obvious ones: uh, Tory Taylor and Cooper DeGene. Feel, oh, that I mean, was your obvious. I was thinking. I was thinking Lou. I feel like people have much more confidence in DeGene being first teamer. I mean, he's already getting like first round draft pick type of hype. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking for awards. Yeah, sorry. I had my mind on the awards. Yeah. Um and then yeah, I was thinking one of the tight ends as well, uh either um Lachey or Eric All. That's probably going to be tough, though, just because uh, of Brock Bowers at Georgia and especially just, like, SEC bias in the media. But, hey, we're here for hot takes. Yep. Uh, All right. You guys ready for mine? Yes. This this one's tough. Okay. Iowa wins the West, the Big Ten, and Kirk rides off into the sunset. I think I think one of those things has a chance of happening. Uh I would say I would say that I don't see two of those as being completely outlandish. No, the big one being like like all all three of the things will happen is like my one statement. Oh, yeah. Doing uh, doing with what's the, what's the one you don't think is outlandish? Or the one you do think is outlandish? Iowa winning the Big Ten. I think there's been some chatter about Kirk potentially hanging it up here sooner rather than later. Um, I think it's all just conjecture. So, you know, it's not like he said anything that would lead people to believe that. I think it's just kind of an age and, you know, Gary Bart isn't the um, athletics director anymore and the landscape of college football is changing. So if he did decide to hang him up, I wouldn't be super shocked by it if Iowa did have, you know, a, a Big Ten West, you know, championship season, you know, play in the title game, maybe win a big bowl game or something. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, the new AD, just the changing landscape with conference realignment, transfer portal, NIL, uh, and then LeVar. I mean, I, I think I mentioned his comments last time about how he could have left and been a head coach, but he knew he, he wants to be in Iowa, Iowa City. So... Clearly, he's had a little. I'm sure somebody said something to him as well about he's the next up. So, yeah, that that's mine. Not that I want Kirk to go or anything. I love Kirk Ferentz more than any coach I've ever had. But we've been like 
Iowa's been like the Green Bay Packers in terms of, um, you know, they've had they had Favre and then Rodgers. Now we had Hayden and then Kirk. Do you think that we will ever see an Iowa coach last 25 years again? No. I just don't think it happens in college football anymore. Well, I, I bet- just don't think it happens at any level of coaching. I mean, I like I'm a Steelers fan, so that's you know kind of really similar parallels in terms of coaching. They've literally had three head coaches since the 1970s. Um, but like, you know, either fan bases or ownership or athletic departments or whatever, you know, driving force it may be, um, you know, pick your choice. Don't have the patience to kind of wait out the rough patches anymore, especially with the type of money that schools are bringing in in terms of, you know, media and NIL and recruitment. So all it takes is one or two bad seasons and you can be gone. Shit. I mean, look at LSU in 2019. They won literally the national championship with one of the greatest college football teams ever assembled. And two years later, they fired Coach O. I mean, I was kind of different because the expectations are different here than they are at an LSU. But it's not—you're not, not going to get the same type of leeway you do uh, that you did in the past. Moving forward, whenever you know we do make a, a head coaching change. Honestly, in college football history, how many college or head coaches do you think have even made it? 25 years i i 25 years is a long yeah fucking time. i'd say safe to say under 12 you think 10 or so probably yeah i mean it can't be a huge number especially if you're saying, especially if you're saying all at the same school yeah like how long was bill schneider at kansas state he wasn't there as long as kirk's been at iowa because... it was a long time but that was also in two different stints as well bob stoopston i mean joe pa obviously I don't even know, like, like Bear Bryant or anybody like that. Twenty-five years. <clears throat> what do we got? Oh, What's that's the... active, isn't it? Yeah, this is active. What is... it doesn't even give us, you know, the... <laughs> what says is... the. I mean, the next closest person is Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State right now, and he was hired in two thousand and five. So we've got a full six years on him. Yeah, nobody's. Yeah. N- and he's there's a lot of uh, chatter through college podcasts I've listened to where they think he could be on the hot seat too. So, yeah, I mean, there can't be very many for 25 years. Okay, here. I think we found something here. Longest? Oh, this was in 2008. Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus, fuck. Joe Paterno, as of 2008, I'm not sure when that whole scandal came out, but... Was that he was at Penn State for forty three years in two thousand eight? He probably did a few more years after that. I That's think, unbelievable. I think in college basketball, it's a lot more common to have a coach last that long, especially like I feel recently there's just been a like, be uh, Jim Beheim, Coach K, but even like Roy Williams wasn't at UNC for twenty five years. He was at Kansas in the early two thousands. It's Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I feel like I was currently an outlier with that, and moving forward, you know, that's something that's not really going to continue to happen. Yeah, but 
hopefully the next is LeVar. And then if it's LeVar, I could see him being fairly committed to him for a little while, but not not 20 years. Um, All right. Up next, we got our yearly over-unders. So you guys want me to read them first or one by one? Uh, let's just go one at a time. All righty. Uh, first off, just the leading rusher total rushing yards. So Goodson was at like 1,150 two years ago, and last year Caleb Johnson was at like 770 or 790. So I put it at 999 and a half. So will he get to 1,000 yards? We're, we're going over on that one. Is that, I'll take the under. You'll take the under? Defend him. Uh, I think the offensive line is going to be improved. If he could put up, you know, seven, whatever it was last year behind the offensive line that couldn't get a push, couldn't open up a hole, I think. And also with a team that uh, demonstrated literally zero down the field passing capability that allowed teams to have, you know, seven or eight guys in the box on every single play. I think the combination of improved offensive line and a passing attack that even has a pulse opens up a lot more running lanes. And Caleb has showed all the promise in the world as a runner last year. So I'm taking a big sophomore season for him this year. You going to defend your position on that at all, Joey? Are you just being under just to be different? I'm just taking the under. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. Uh, just based off the offensive line. I mean, Caleb Johnson was, I mean, in most people's eyes, awesome last year. He didn't start the season as the starter. So it feels like that should be a pretty easy one to grab as long as he's healthy for the most part. Next up, tight end touchdowns. So combined. Going to give us a number? Number? No. Uh, the last two years, the average had been three and a half. Last year, Lachey had three. Um, and then the year before that, Laporta had... Or no, sorry. I, I screwed that up. But there had been a middle ground of three and a half. So I set the over-under at five and a half between All and Lachey. Uh, hmm. Under... Really? Yeah, I think that I might take the under as well. Not because I don't have faith in their abilities, but I think that there's a lot more talent to spread out the ball to this year than there has been in past seasons. I mean, Laporta was, you know, the number one target, the safety blanket, the fallback, whatever you want to call it. Like, he was the one that was getting the targets. And you know that was part of because of the limitations of the the players on last year's offense it was partially on Spencer Petrus's limitations as well um but i just feel like this year there's a lot more people to spread the ball out to so i think that instead of one position group maybe getting a lot of touches it's going to be more even kind of across the board uh I think I'll still take the over. Um, I mean, five and a half. That's I get 
I get that it's not a big number between two premier tight ends. Um, That's just kind of more of a gut feel on my part than anything. Yeah, I I can understand that. But, man, I think, like, before Petrus, like, our quarterbacks had averaged about 20 passing touchdowns a year or something like that. Somewhere between 17 and 20, I'd say. And I would, I mean, even if we only throw 17 touchdowns, and we can get 12 to wide receivers. That's still a pretty good chunk to be accounted for. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll take the over. Luke, you do realize by the math that you just said out loud that you'd be taking the under there, right? You said we can get to 17 touchdowns yeah. and 12 go to wide receivers. Yeah, that would I know. Be five to the tight ends, which would be under your five and a half number. <laughs> yeah, I caught that, but I'm still taking the over because you know what I mean. It was like there's still an, a lot of touchdowns to be accounted for. Well, running backs. Yeah. Don't forget that. Jaquiz Patterson. <laughs> From Oregon. Yeah. Uh, all right, the next one. Steven's field goal percentage. So <clears throat> last year it was 88.9%. I'm I'm putting it at 89. I'm just rounding it to 89 this year. Uh, I'm going to say under just because, like, even at the NFL level, I don't think there's a lot of kickers that are hitting 90% on a full season for their field goals. That's, like, a really, really high bar. I, I think he missed two or three kicks last year. So take that with a grain of salt. I'll take the over just because if one of our positional strengths on this team is people who kick the ball. So fair. Very right. Very right. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, I'll probably take the under as well. Although, I mean, he's an awesome kicker. He's a five-star kicker. He gives us no reason to believe he won't go over on that but 88 percent over the course of a full season is a really successful season as a kicker like just because you know it's not that 90 percent number like that's that's not something you know an 88 percent over a full season especially with iowa and you're saying that's probably covering like 25 attempts plus like that's a that's a really good season kicking field goals yeah no that i mean yeah he he would still Probably get some national recognition with an 88%, I'd imagine. Um, rivalry trophies, two and a half. Last year, we got one. Mm. <laughs> Give me the over. Yeah. Where, so, oh, it's two and, two and, and a half. half. Yeah. Give me the over. Yeah, I'll take the over. Uh, two. So, which one uh, do we? Do you think we lose one? You just said over under, so I said over. Yeah, not, fifth. yeah uh, Iowa State is without their starting quarterback and running back. I think that they're going to be a train wreck. Not concerned about that game. If it comes back to bite me in the ass, so be it. Nebraska, sure, we lost to them last year. We were not that good of a team last year. New head coach, new system. That's tough. Uh, Minnesota, P.J. Fleck has not shown the ability to beat Kirk Ferentz in his first seven years of the program. Why is he going to start this year? And Wisconsin's got a new head coach again as well. So I think if you take all those factors into consideration, if we're not getting three of those trophies, that's a pretty sad year. Yeah, I agree. We'll 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 get at least three. 
I, I wouldn't rule out four, but I still don't know how to judge that Wisconsin game. I, I guess I have a better feeling for them after their non-conference because, I mean, they have to play Washington State at least, which is kind of a real team. And also one of the Pac-12 teams getting the shaft. Um, Dijon touchdowns, one and a half I put it at. He had three last year. I'll take the under just because that, that feels like a – yeah, defensive touchdowns. I'm also taking the underside. I mean, just cut you off there, Joey. But... Uh, I had no more to say. Okay. Thanks for saving me. Uh, um, I think that there's a lot – I mean, I don't know. He also is a really good punt returner, so maybe that factors into it as well. But I feel like defensive touchdowns have a lot of luck involved um, as opposed to just skill. You know, if you pick up a fumble and you got a clear path or if you get an interception and, you know, you get your blockers out in front of you right away uh, – it's. I feel like it's just not a very good predictive stat moving forward because there's so many random factors that come into play. I mean, how many opportunities even in a season does a defender get to potentially score a touchdown? You know, less yeah. than five in most cases. So it's just obviously we love it when it happens, but I think to repeat that type of success year over year is kind of asking a lot. I, I think I'll take the under as well. Unless, yeah, I'll take the under. But the the way I could see it going over is if some of the younger members of the secondary step up and they have to start throwing it Cooper's way a little bit, you know, instead of trying to avoid him. Everybody knows who Cooper is. He's a first. He's going to be a first round draft pick next spring. He's he's going to be around the Jim Thorpe Ward all year. You know, it. I, I'm sure teams aren't exactly game planning to throw it his way. So. Yeah. I'll I'll take the under on that. Um, this is a big one. HTR lay hits. Point five. It has under. hit two times ever, and we've been doing it for four <laughs> years, I think. Has it really been two times ever? And holy fuck. And one well, of the the first actually- that's well, it's not really a good piece of gambling advice because you can't really tail a parlay very well. But um for anybody that likes to make money gambling, I would not bet with us. Correct. Also, it's crazy that uh, the first time that it ever hit, we had uh, Indiana beating Penn State outright. <laughs> no, that was that was we lost that uh, that oh, one. Really? You won your bet on that one uh, on that crazy I touchdown thought, by. I thought we won it that week. No, we won it later in that season. That was the COVID season. We won it with Trent Betts, right? Yeah, because Space Cowboy forgot to get his bet or bet in on time. And remember, Mr. Trent Betts, friend of the podcast, filled in. And, uh, yeah, I ended up passing out midway through that Iowa game due to some touchdown shots. Remember when we scored those? Uh, but, yeah, so do we think the magic happens this year? Give me the over just because I think we can get one in 12 weeks of football. I'm staying on the under. Very little confidence. The under is probably the smart bet based on our history, but I can't. I just got to have the tiniest amount of faith in us. The under's got to be like minus 750. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I'll take that over. You certainly get some good odds with it, but I'll take the over. I believe the third time is coming in five seasons this year. And then the the over is is more of. 
just a prayer than an actual expectation. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then the last over-under I have set. Quarterback completions. I believe when I was looking it up today last year we had about 190, I think, was around the number. Whatever our number was last year, I'm taking the over. And so I, I added like 20 to 30, at least a couple completions a game is what I was figuring. Yeah, still taking the over. So you're going over 219 and a half. Yes. So let's run some math quick just to put her in perspective. 220 divided by are, are we only doing these for regular season, right? Yeah. That's 18 and a third completions a game. Give me the over. Ooh. Once I broke it down like that, I don't like the over that much. 18's a lot of completions. Do you got an answer, Joey? I'll take the under. Stick with the theme. Yeah, you know what? I'll take the under two, only because hopefully we can handle our non-conference schedule pretty easy, and we'll be running the ball a lot early. So, all right. Uh, I don't remember what everybody's records were on the over-unders last year, but I I feel this group tends to be usually pretty over-heavy aside from Joey, so... I'm sure mine was pretty good then last year. I think I took a lot of unders in this run-through here. I took... All but one under, I think. The only over I took was the kicker. Okay, so did we all go over on leading rusher? No. Joey took the under. Oh, really? Okay. T- t- tight ends, I was the only one over. Five and a half. Field goal percentage, Stin and I were under. Joey was over. Rivalry trophies, all three of us were over. Dijon touchdowns, all of us were under? Or Stin were we... was over. I don't know. Yeah, we were all under. HTR lay hits, Stin and I are over. And QB completions, Joey and I are under, Stin's over. <laughs> this is my year. All right. So we're moving on to the final kind of football portion. Well, I guess we have some questions we can talk about too. So what is a successful season? Uh, I think this year specifically – with all of the rest of the circumstances around the Big Ten West and it being the last year of divisions in the Big Ten, winning the Big Ten West is a requirement for this year to be considered a success. I think, full stop, that is the measuring stick against which we're going to be looking at this Iowa season. Did they win the Big Ten West? That is the first check mark that they have to cross off, in my opinion, for it to be a successful season. Anything less to that, less than that is going to feel like a shortfall. I'm uh I said 11 and 1 is successful, 10 and 2 is tolerable, 9 and 3 is eh. Like 9 wins would not excite me or move the needle at all. I wouldn't be excited about 9 wins. I think calling 10 and 2 being a tolerable season is just setting yourself up for future disappointment, though. Based on our schedule, it is a 10-2 and two schedule. I agree. So I would say if you're looking at the schedule and you're saying it's 10-2, and two, calling that just a tolerable outcome or is maybe, setting yourself up what for What if I said all right? What if I said all right? I'd say 10-2 and two would be 
Like, I think 10 and 2 can win Iowa the Big Ten West, which is why I'd consider that to be successful. But let's be honest, I don't think that there's a huge segment of the fan base that feels good about going to Penn State for that football game. And then, as much as I don't like to say it, there's usually at least one game a year against a random team that pops up that Iowa loses for no reason at all. So, you know, obviously, you know, we had the 2015-12-0 year, but besides that, out of the last five seasons, how many times did we lose a game to a Purdue or a Northwestern or an Illinois? And after the game, or fuck, even Nebraska last year, and after the game, we look back at it and say, how in the hell did we lose that game? Feels like we just have at least one of those every season. Correct. Joey? What was this question again? What does a successful season look like? Yeah. 10 and 2. I'll take a 10 and 2 home with me every day and be happy. Okay, now let's push this right into final record prediction. I'm going to go first on this one. Uh I I got 11 and 1 with their loss either at Penn State or Wisconsin. However, if the loss is Wisconsin, we can go 11 and 1, lose to Wisconsin and still not win the West because Wisconsin plays Ohio State, and outside of that, they basically got our schedule for the Big Ten. So take that with a grain of salt. 11-1 and doesn't guarantee shit if you lose to Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that my most optimistic take is 11-1. and I would say I'm – if I, you know, if I'm actually putting a number on it, 10-2 and two feels like the more likely outcome. Just You know, I kind of explained it just before, but – I don't feel great about that Penn State game. Not to say that I don't think that it's winnable because, you know, we've shown in the past that that's a team that we're able to beat. But I wouldn't expect a win out of that matchup. And then there's probably going to be just one more game throughout the year that trips us up somewhere. Is 10-2 and your prediction too, Joey? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we... The, what basically is going to be the biggest indi- indicator of the season we're going to have. Week four, we traveled to Penn State, whiteout, night game, CBS. If we win that game and then somehow not step on our own dicks against Michigan State and Purdue the next two weeks, we got at Wisconsin. That's a big four-game stretch right there. Just it, if you can manage to beat Penn State, that's going to be the one of the toughest games in recent memory. It's going to be a tough, tough one, especially yeah, with the, all mean, the hype this year around Penn State. Yeah, I mean, even if they don't win that game, just however we perform, you know, if it's close or, you know, if we get our asses beat, I think that that game will be kind of an indicator of how legitimate this Iowa team can be for the entire season, you know, even because if we lose at Penn state, but we lose in a really close competitive game against a Penn state team who some people are saying, you know, have a shot to compete in for the big 10 championship, you know, obviously their path is a lot more difficult having to go through both uh, Michigan and Ohio state, but this is a very legitimate Penn state team this year. So how we look against them, I think will really be a, a good indicator of how good this Iowa team can actually be over the course of the full season. September 23rd, CBS. It's gonna, 
hopefully be a good one at least. Although all won't. three of us will be very inebriated at a wedding. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see maybe like three minutes of that entire game. Probably for the best. Yeah. Unless they somehow win. In a wedding that day, so nothing I can really do about that. Um, all right. So we got a few questions some people sent us, so we'll just touch on those quick. Uh, what is one thing that you are looking forward to in the tailgate season? Now that's a quality fucking question right there. That goes to <laughs> Mr. Mark Phillips. Mark, thank you for a real question about something that matters. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to the camaraderie. I'm looking forward to great food. And getting hammered with my friends seven times this fall. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like Joey said it. Joey said it pretty well. I mean, it's just you know, it's great. Everybody just kind of comes to Iowa City. You don't know who's all going to be there, but you know, friends, family, random strangers. Everybody just kind of shows up. The vibes are off the chart. We're all having a good time. The drinks are flowing. The food is good. I mean, what's there not to like about a tailgating season in Iowa City? Just, it's the best. Um, that first that first time you cross eighty and you're coming into Iowa City on the first game day of the year, and you can just kind of feel the energy. That's the move right there. Although I will say, if there's one tailgate in particular I'm looking forward to, it's Michigan State because I'm pretty sure we're getting a keg. So. There, yeah. there have been murmurs. There's been a few <laughs> murmurs. People are talking. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the menu this week is uh, Joey's, Joey's chefing up some breakfast pizza because 11 a.m. kicks, you know. And then we got a few dips coming out provided by me and one of my cousins So uh, for after the game. Uh, as a reminder, make sure to mix in water. Heat index of 110 on Saturday. That's what I've been told. I got the water cooler on the way. Yeah, our tailgate won't be dehydrated. And 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 after and after the game, we're gonna give somebody a, a water cooler shower. Yes. <laughs> Celebrate the big win. Uh, odds on favorite right now are Stin. I was gonna say Steve. Steve would be a good. <laughs> He'd get so pissed though. Head on a swivel, scuba. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, show. I uh, head up. Head up. Uh, all right. Um. Who wins the Big Ten championship and why? That's a good question. I'd say Ohio State because they're the best team. <laughs> Straight uh, to it, I like it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of a toss-up between Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, I would say most people would predict that going into the last week of the regular season, both of those teams would be undefeated with the winner then going on to the Big Ten Championship. It seems like within the last couple of years, Michigan has kind of figured out a formula of beating Ohio State, which is just punching them in the fucking face running the football. I don't know if that's something that they can repeat, you know, for a third year in a row, especially because they're playing at Ohio State again this season. Uh, and I think Ohio State will have the best player on the field in Marvin Harrison Jr. So that and the fact that it's going to be a home game, I'm going to say Ohio State wins that game, makes it to the Big Ten championship game, and then also wins that game. You also got to remember that Michigan's going to be without their head coach for three pretty grueling games early in the season. <laughs> yeah, their non-conference is as bad as anybody's. So, <clears throat> East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green. Yep. 
Uh, I will go. Mm. I. I'll go with Michigan. Just because I really like Blake Corum, I think. I mean, he he's been there forever. Really good running back, I believe. He was hurt last year, but was a Heisman finalist the year before, if that sounds correct. But, yeah, J.J. McCarthy also gets too much hype, but he is still just a really good quarterback. So I'll take Michigan for the third straight year. Uh, and then one more. Uh, here's a question for you guys. Would you be willing to have a below or at 500 season to see Brian gone and Kirk retire? No. That's what I said. I said, I will never like openly cheer. No, No, because as painful as watching Iowa was last year, could you imagine if we had the offense that we did while also only winning six games? It'd be terrible. Like you had me until you say, and Kirk retire. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I could, I, I just, there's no situation where I'll cheer for a non-professional sport to be bad. I just, just, like last year sucked, but if we only won five or six games, like, could you imagine having the offense that we were and then also being Nebraska? Like it could, it could be worse, you know? Winning ugly is not necessarily the most fun thing to do, but I'd rather do that and have, you know, eight or nine wins guaranteed every season than the potential of, you know, not even being bowl eligible. Correct. Yeah, that that, that question comes from Owen West. Stupid. That was a dumb question. It's a pretty snake comment, it. yeah. But, all right, any other football comments? Otherwise, we'll move on to our, our draft and then wrap up the podcast. Were those all the questions from the crowd? Yep. Oh, I got to give a shout out to one of the student union guys, Cody Goggin. All right. That's it. Why? Cause I told him I would. And I said, if he, I, I, I said, well, you better listen to figure out. So suck it, Cody. <laughs> so no other football notes. <laughs> uh, d- no, I don't, I don't think that I have anything that's like, jumps out you know at me so all right so the draft we're doing is draft of songs that get you pumped who would like to go first and how many picks um should i feel like we normally just do three right or we can do four i don't care i mean i got a pretty long list so it's whatever i don't care okay we'll do three i like songs Stin goes first, Joey goes second, I'll go third. All right. All right? Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, all right. With uh, my first pick, I'm going to choose a song that we're going to have to separate the art from the artist. Mm. Uh, and we're also going to have to change one of the words in the title. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, wait, I think I know which one you're going. I, yeah, I would assume I think I know too, but I'm gonna say "Fellas in Paris" by Kanye West. I don't. You, you can fill in the 
You can choose which word I changed for yourself. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good song. No complaints. I guess the, I guess the people going. Yeah, Kanye, Kanye does have some bangers out there, so. I am going to go with... Oh, this is a, like, personal thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know what gets you pumped up. Um... Okay, I'm going to go with Take Me Home Country Roads. Ooh, that was that on always, my list. That yeah, that always list. gets me going, gets the people going. Yeah. yeah. It has a close correlation or a cor- close relationship with us, too. So, sure. Mostly just us being drunk idiots, but... Yeah, you, you, you guys should hear the video of me singing that on spring break in Florida a few years ago. It's like it's a different language. It's shocking. <laughs> um... So I have back-to-back here. So I'm going to go with Back in Black by ACDC. That song, I mean, a lot of people say the song's not that good after the first 30 to 40 seconds. They might be right. However, I certainly like the end of the song as well. Um, And my next pick, I'm going to go with Run This Town by Jay-Z, Rihanna, and Kanye. Okay. Feel is coming in the air. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we know the song. We know the tune. <laughs> yeah. I, I do indeed know the song. Also a big workout song, that one is. Just gets you all jacked up. Yeah. I was thinking about just taking songs from my workout playlist, but I don't think it. many people would agree with my picks. Yeah, it's I know. I have some thing. if it's you want them there, too. On this. Um... I'm gonna go with Chattahoochee. I can't hear that song and not get fired up. <laughs> By Alan Jackson. It's just a absolute classic. You wanna give us a few bars? No. <laughs> All right, Stin. Okay. Uh coming back around, we're gonna go with uh Kickstart My Heart by Motley mm. Crue. Good one. I feel like I, that's just a fucking like head nod and just jamming song that that gets you going. Um, and this one maybe isn't so much of a personal pump up song as it is is just like the crowd's always gonna be loving it. Uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. Also Shrek lovers. Yeah, I mean, tell me if that song comes on in a crowd of people that people don't start losing it. I yeah. have a, I have a long list still, and I'm trying to debate. That is a good one. Yeah. And I thought you were taking my pick <laughs> with that one. Um, Back to me? Yep. Yeah. Your last pick. I'm going to go with one of the most, I, I believe it's one of the most played songs like ever. All I want for Christmas is you. Oh damn it! I, <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. Going. It could be September, <laughs> and you'll be in a bar, and that song comes yeah. on, and the whole place loses their mind. You're now, not wrong. Of course, you'll have the the few, the occasional tryhard who's like, "Oh, it's not Christmas time, or this song's not." It's it's still a good song. Yeah, I, I'm an avowed, you know, not a huge Christmas guy before Thanksgiving because let Thanksgiving have its shine. But if that song comes on and there's like a nice crisp breeze in the air on that day already, it it fucking hits. When and we you were, know what? If what, Thanksgiving had good songs, 
I would let it have its shine. When we're, as far as the music industry is concerned, Thanksgiving doesn't deserve a shine. When we were in uh, Wrigleyville a few years ago for Iowa Northwestern, we were at Country Club when it turned from October 31st to November 1st. And when it did, they played that, and everybody in that bar was going just absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. It was great. Ah, all right, my last one. Boy, I have some good options left. This one's going to be a weird one, but I know we all enjoy it. Mr. Mom by Lone Star. Mm. Yeah. We were on a party bus in July, and that song came on, and there was like 10 of us in the back of the bus that knew every single word to that song, and we're standing up and singing it. If you're not familiar with it, give it a YouTube. It is a good song. Very good. All right. Do we have any honorable mentions? I've got a couple. Yeah, um, I had some more Kanye on on mine as well. Uh, All of the lights. Mm-hmm. Yep. That one. That one gets me going. Um, Mo Bamba. Yeah. See, I'm not that big on that song. However, a couple you years ago, you were already out of college. Yeah, that's you, why you were out of college when well, it came out. When uh, a co- like three, four years ago, before. Uh, before Iowa basketball games, when the lights went down, they used to play Mo Bamba. And that was cool. Except instead of saying, I got hoes, they'd say, I got coach. <laughs> yeah, they did. I forgot that. <laughs> uh, um, I Will Always uh, Love You mm. by Whitney Houston. Mm. Uh, no respect for Dolly. No. Luke. Yeah, sure. It's... It's great to say, oh, did you know that actually Dolly Parton sang that song first? Sure. Who made it famous? It was fucking Whitney Houston. Another one that really fires up the crowd is uh, uh, Fear Never Broke My Heart by Luke Combs. Yeah. I don't personally love that song. Yeah, I'm but not big on that one. You're in, you're in a bar, and that song comes on, people are scream singing that one. Yeah. Um, a big white people song is uh, Mr. Brightside. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I thought well, that's always that the... They spin the wheel at Kinnick, and that's the song that pops up every <clears throat> single time. Um, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. He's back in the day. used to get, get me going pretty good. You guys ready for mine? I got a few. Oh, I, I thought we were just yeah, shouting them out. Yeah, I, I, oh, I'm okay. just kind of shooting off the hip with these. Okay. So. Dear Maria, count me in. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh where them girls at by David Guetta. That is a good song. That that thing barks. That thing is loud. <laughs> uh, Holiday by Green Day. Okay, yeah. Rockstar Nickelback. Mm, I feel like that was kind of a miss. I like that song. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, it was a miss. I'm, yeah. That's oh. a song that I mean, just Nickelback in general. People love to say that oh, Nickelback sucks. They hate it. I've never once met somebody in my life that like actually disliked like Nickelback music if it was playing. All right, and then I got "Thanks for the Memories" by Fall Out Boy. Uh, "Viva La Vida," Coldplay. Something about that song. It it isn't really a banger, but. I was gonna, I was gonna say I like the song. I wouldn't really call it like a pump up song though. Yeah. I'm... I don't know about that song specifically, but I was looking at like some songs like, oh, I should say that one. But a lot of these aren't really pump-up songs. Here's here's was... one. Do you guys want to guess it for me? 
Luke, there's literally like millions of songs. You're like, guess me a song. No, you know it. Yeah, I'm sure that I probably do, but pump up. Fireflies by Owl City is my final honorable mention. You just, you just ruined the whole thing that we were doing here with that one. Oh, man, no, that song pumps me up. What a song. Oh, uh, Piano Man and Dixieland Delight as well. I thought Dixieland Delight was going to be one of yours. Um, You know, a good national anthem where, like, the crowd's singing. That gets the crowd going, you know, a little involved. That's always good. Yeah. Um, this is specifically kind of just around, like, you know, a 4th of July type of thing, but, like, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue that time of the year. Yeah. I thought about writing that one down. Yeah, I don't, like, what's the one? It's just uh, instrumental. They play on New Year's Eve, like when the ball drops. Everybody's always kind of pumped. <laughs> what? That pumps you up? I don't know. Everybody's excited. <laughs> I think that they're excited because it's the start of a new year, not because that song is playing. <laughs> I don't know. What oh uh broccoli did I say that one already? Oh no, no good one. Oh I didn't say any chain smokers. Uh, don't let me down. But I know you guys hate the chain smokers, so I, I like one of their songs. Closer. Yep. And, Shut up, really. And once once you heard one of their songs, you've heard literally every single one of their songs. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right. Any other honorable mentions? Nah. All right. Well, oh, never mind. (laughs) You can talk. No, no, thanks. Okay. Well, we're like, I don't know, 36 hours away from tailgating, right? No, I think my math is wrong on that one. I don't think that math. It's about 60 hours, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, we still got all day Thursday, all day Friday, which gets us to 48 hours. So, yeah. <laughs> But then 12 hours on top of that Until. puts you at 10. So t- about about 58 hours from now, everybody will be balls deep in tailgating. We're going to be alive. The greatest time of the year has arrived. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, to our preseason edition of the Hawkeye Tailgate Report. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you can follow <laughs> the show on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, at HTR underscore pod. Our Twitters are Myers underscore Luke. Joey's is Joe Mama 2196 And Austin's is Myers Austin. Let's have a great season, everybody. Drink a lot. Maybe throw in water here or there with the heat index. And as always, go Hawks. And fuck Nebraska.